Well, again, Merry Christmas. All right, try it again. Merry Christmas. That was great, thanks. Can you believe Christmas is here already? I mean, it just seemed like, boom, we got into Advent and all of a sudden it's Christmas. And six days from now, we wrap up 2018. How quickly it goes. I know if you're a little kid out there tonight, it probably seemed like it was forever. In our other services, well, all the kids, they were going, no, it never came. But it's here. It's Christmas. You know, thinking back, think about this past year. I'm sure there's lots of things that we say, oh, yeah, that happened in 2018. For instance, the Winter Olympics were in Korea this year, 2018. We forget about that. There was the wedding that took place this summer, and I'm still wondering where my invitation got lost. Harry and Meghan, don't know, but it should have been there on time. You know, World Cup in Russia, all those things that took place in 2018, it's just a blur. Those were fun things, but you know, there were a lot of sad things that happened in 2018. Remember 2018, the soccer team, the 12 kids and their coach who were trapped in a cave underground that had to be rescued. There was an earthquake and a tsunami in Indonesia that claimed over 2,200 lives. Hurricane Michael that came ashore had some of the strongest winds that we've seen in, in decades and the devastation that it left. Of course, there's the fires in California that devastated so much and killed 88 people. Those are all things that happened in 2018. And just a sad headline the other day is that China has begun a new crackdown that they haven't done in decades in persecuting Christians. So you wonder as you hear that, as we watch the headlines, as we see things, and we're here and we're, we want to celebrate Christmas, but you wonder if there's really any good news in the world anywhere. But like I said, we're here to celebrate something, and we're here to celebrate the truth. And I want to tell you, yes, there is good news, and here's why. Love is still a gift. Love still defeats hate. Hope is stronger than despair. God answers prayers. His mercies are new every morning. His forgiveness is stronger than sin. His promises are more certain than human fear. The cross is sufficient. His grace is enough. The tomb is still empty. Governments and economies and civilizations will come and go, but the kingdom of Christ still is advancing and still is being spread everywhere. Where the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. That is good news. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah, that is good news. And that's what we are celebrating tonight. Those truths about what our Savior came into this world to do, to profoundly change it forever, to give this world a new course. But you know, even with all that good news, I would venture to say that none of us are really going to have a perfect Christmas. How many are trying? I mean, that would be more the thing that really are working towards that perfect Christmas. It's not going to happen. I'm not trying to burst your bubble. But we are sinful people. We are broken people. We can't make, even if we want to, in our minds, that perfect Christmas. And the evidence of that sometimes really shows itself, I'm going to tell you, in the gifts that we give. What do I mean by that? 
Well, I got a confession to make to you tonight. I am a regifter. I don't know if you're a regifter, but I'm a regifter. Sometimes things just don't always fit for me. And did you know that there is a list out there that you can Google of things that you should and are able to regift and things that you never should regift? For instance, it's okay to regift the following spa gift baskets, gourmet food, gift cards, board games, wine and spirits. Those are all okay to regift. It's not okay to regift homemade items, fragrances, monogrammed or promotional items. Fitness passes, I don't get that one, but, you know, and high-end luxury items. Now, I thought I'd take you just through a couple of times at Christmases of some of the gifts that, yes, I re-gifted. First, there was the year when I lived in Lansing where I got the two Santa Claus statues. They knew I was a Michigan fan, but obviously it was East Lansing, so I got that. Which one do you think I re-gifted? Next slide. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, people, just the way it goes. There was the year, and if anybody remembers, we still used to get CDs for music. I got these two, Pavarotti and Gene Autry. Well, which one do you think I re-gifted? Yeah, sorry, just UC&W fans, it's just I, I couldn't do it. It wasn't there. There was the sweater. Yeah. Everybody, now, if you have one of those, hey, looks good on you, Okay doesn't look good on this body. Regift it. <laughs> and then there was the year I got a bottle of scotch that I really wasn't fond of that brand. So I thought of regifting it because the list said I could regift wine and spirits. But I decided I'd keep it and then I would just serve it to people when they came over. My wife can't believe that, but yeah, honey, we're keeping this one. Regifting things. It's fun sometimes to do that, fun to do it. But you know, I have to say, gifts are an interesting thing because I really believe gifts are an extension of ourselves sometimes to people. Extension of our efforts, extension of our hearts, extension of what we want them to know about us. And we want them to be perfect, but like I said, they always aren't perfect. And what do we do in a year where we're simply not having a wonderful Christmas time? How do our gifts appear that way? How do we give those gifts? What about when we're struggling to put it all together and the gifts just don't seem to matter and they seem empty and everything in our celebration of Christmas just seems pale and quiet? I say that because there really is a perfect gift for every Christmas. And you know where I'm going with that. That perfect Christmas gift is Jesus, what we celebrate tonight, that good news. And I think it's important for us to remember that. When Jesus came into this world, the world that he came into wasn't perfect either. It was a world under a yoke of oppression and anguish. It was a world in brokenness and sorrow where people were cast off if they weren't anything less than useful or perfect in the world, where people were lonely and broken all those things, the Savior came into that world. He came for broken people, for empty people, for a world that was turned upside down. 
I say that because, you know, a lot of us tonight would like to be like that Christmas gift that maybe we're all wrapped up really beautiful and we look great, but something just isn't right in us tonight. And I want to encourage you that Jesus came for all people everywhere. He came for people who don't have their act together. He came for people who are struggling tonight. For instance, there's people probably sitting here tonight that are having financial trouble this year, job loss, whatever they're faced with. And I think it's important for them and for all of us to remember Jesus' words, that he said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus came in poverty. That's part of what we confess in his humiliation. He didn't just become man. He became obsolete, poor, obscure man so that he could associate with those people. There are people here tonight that are lonely in the midst of celebration and they're wondering why and they're trying to struggle to get through it. And I want to remind them and us too tonight. Remember Jesus was one who was in solitude a lot where he said to his disciples that my soul is in anguish as I am overwhelmed. When on his most needed moment on this earth, on the cross, taking away our sin. He cried out in utter loneliness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus can relate to all those situations. And maybe this one, how about family issues? Anybody have family issues? I'm sure you could all raise your hand and tell me stories. Jesus had family issues. The scriptures tell us that really fully. Jesus' family couldn't believe he was going around telling people that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. They came to get him when he was preaching. They came to take him and put him away so that they wouldn't be embarrassed by him. Jesus understands family issues, struggles of relationships, all the things that are going on. Again, that's why I say Jesus is that perfect gift for everyone because he fits us all wherever we are. He is the one, as the angel said, a savior, one who saves, one who comes to where we are. He doesn't say to us, make the perfect Christmas, make the perfect life, set it all right, and then I'll be a part of your celebration. He comes to wherever we are in our lives, wherever that moment is, wherever that need is, wherever that heartbreak or sorrow, or wherever that celebration truly is. Jesus is the one gift that fits in all of those situations. And so tonight, as we've come together, as we celebrate his birth, I want to encourage all of you to be a re-gifter too. And you can guess where I'm going with this. Because Jesus, that perfect gift, is the one gift that all of us can truly re-gift. Re-gift to people who don't have hope, people who are lonely, people who are broken, people who wonder why they exist or is there an existence for them. Jesus is that perfect gift who came into the world that everyone can have, that everyone needs, that everyone, no matter where they're at, can celebrate that he is with them. That's what we celebrate this night. That's why we're here. So I say to you all one more time, Merry Christmas.